Blooming Down Church podcast. My name is Max Terman. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, and joining me this week is Joy to the World, Daniel Rye. God rest ye merry gentlemen, Scott Reed. Yes. And all I want for Christmas is you, Bill Muffin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, Mariah Carey. <laughs> Bill, Bill, will you pray for us and Mariah Carey? All right. <laughs> Lord, we thank you for this day. We want to live it for you. We ask that you fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we would say things that really do matter, and that we honor you in this hour. Amen. 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 Welcome back. It is Christmas. I've got Christmas brownie brittle. Huh. So I'm going to take is some, take some and pass it around in the festivities. It's been a while since we were all together, right? It's been at least two weeks. Yeah. I think, I think we were all together two weeks ago. Were uh, we? Was something gone? It's been, it, I think it's been a while. I think it's I, been a while. I missed one because of mm-hmm. the sickness, I think. Yep. I, and then Indiana as well. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was last week. So we've had some great guests, though. Uh, Scott, you have carefully been curating a list of Christmas would you rathers. This is very good. I'm fasting today. I better not tempt myself. Are you fasting today, Bill? Usually I do on Wednesday until supper time. Are you fasting for something in particular? Well, for my son. And you know what? It also helps me with running. Really? Yeah. Two ways. It helps me keep my weight where I want it to be. And secondly, I've read that fasting does something for your body that works your favor when it comes to running. Wow. Also, and I haven't checked this one, donating blood does. It helps you run? You're getting rid of kind of like old blood because it has to renew itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood in your body. And Wow. Both of those things I really stayed away from for roughly 20 years because I thought, man, I just that's all I can do to do all this training, let alone fast and donate blood all yeah. the time. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I like the idea that donating blood makes you faster because it makes you lighter. <laughs> no, 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 that's the fasting does that for you. <laughs> I don't know. One pint less blood. Yeah, it comes back so fast. <laughs> uh, Scott. You really wouldn't want to run a marathon the day after you donated blood. I wouldn't Speak want to run yourself. a marathon at all. <laughs> oh, come on. I, that's everybody's dream. <laughs> or nightmare. Or nightmare. <laughs> Scott. All right. I got the last round of the Christmas Would You Rathers here. Woo. Let's see. Let's see what I came up with like three weeks ago. Would you rather use colored or white lights? Um, I'd I'd rather use on a Christmas tree white lights. Ooh, and not a Christmas tree. On not a Christmas tree, colored lights. Nice. Wow. Cool. That's a diplomatic answer. I'm gonna go colored lights all the way, all day. Right. Now to be clear, I want it. This is a soapbox that it's about time I got to get on. <laughs> there Amen. Is, there is a <laughs> there is a kind of colored light that I've only seen in in the Midwest that drives me crazy. Is that the one with the deep blue? No, no. I love deep blues. Really, I, those I, deep blue lights. Oh, man, oh, I hate they them. bum me They're out. The worst. Okay, I can't stand. <laughs> and they're on Glen Ellen between here and Lake. You'll see a handful of them. They're like. All like orange is like the dominant color. Like it's kind of just like a Mm. a lot of yellows and like bell pepper green and then like a tomato red. It just looks like spaghetti casserole to me and it drives me crazy. Bill? Hmm. 
I like colored lights too. My tree is all white lights. I, I love mm. the tree, but I think what would it look like if it had colored lights? And and for outdoor decorations for a house, yeah, colored lights. <laughs> Do you string your tree every year, or is it built into it? Uh, the lights are built in. Okay. I'm a white light guy. Yes, you're through and through. <laughs> and I will say there are some colored lights I don't mind, and then there's other colored lights that have this deep blue that I despise. <laughs> I, they're like the predominant colored lights now. They didn't used to be, but now they are, and I hate them. Was that a point of contention when you guys were living together in the same apartment? No, I, I let Max have colored lights on the tree. It was nice. Well, I put colored lights around the apartment on like the windowsills. When we lived together? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. in the lower... In the lower yeah, yeah, gray yeah. house. That's true. Yeah, we did color the mix. How about anyway. bubble lights? What do you think of those? What are bubble Define lights? Define bubble lights. Well, they, they're candles. Okay. They're electric candles. Hmm. And they come... Well, in the old days, they would come as tree lights. Hmm. So hmm. you would have on your tree... Could be usually a red base, red green base, and the liquid is down in that base. And then as the light warms up, oh. it sends the liquid and the bubbles up through the candle part. Okay, it's really pretty, like a lava lamp. It sounds like a that's lava lamp. Sure. Well, it's real fast though. It's not a lava lamp's kind of like a wavy thing. Yeah, this is yeah. just brrr, bubbles, sort of like watching. Boiling water. Um, <laughs> that sounds awesome. It, it was. I, and they went in the tree? So you would just lie there in the dark and look at those bubbles going up and down. Mm. Oh. So I've got a couple bubble lights as night lights yeah. at Christmas huh. time. That sounds amazing. Hang them on a wall. But, man, I'd love to have some bubble lights on a Christmas tree. <laughs> Daniel and I had Christmas lights up on our ceiling. For a whole year. <laughs> From November to September. That's right. <laughs> then we didn't put them up for the next Christmas. <laughs> but taking them down together was a was a nice experience. It was needed, yeah. It was needed and it was uh, therapeutic. Yeah. All right, Daniel, would you rather... Now, I think it was the first week I asked if you'd rather have a wrapped gift or a bagged gift to receive. Mm-hmm. But now when you're the one preparing the gift to give to someone else, would you rather wrap it or bag it? I'd rather bag it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Too many people make jokes about how oh, they're really bad at wrapping gifts. Oh, That way I, I just avoid all of that. I see. Mm, I yeah. find wrapping a gift to be very satisfying. So I would, even though I'm not very good at it, I would absolutely wrap. Bill? <laughs> When it comes to wrapping gifts, I'm choosing wrapping over bags Mm -hmm. because it's part of the fun of Christmas is me giving them their gift. And sometimes it's like two different kinds of wrapping paper because I miscalculated and I didn't want to redo it. Oh, golly. So there's times where Nicole and I usually wrap together and we're laughing so hard. Tears are just streaming down my face. Stomach's cramping up. It's just so, so bad. It's almost like nobody can be this bad. Ah, yes. Yes, he can. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm going to go with rapping, although I think I peaked rap at my rapping skill like in high school, and I'm like getting steadily worse, and I sure. don't know why. Yeah. Like every year, I'm like, wouldn't didn't I used to be good at this? Yeah, I ran into that. I this think year. I need like a new. I need like my mom to teach. Wait till me you're again. my age, man, because I was decent at it in junior high. <laughs> I've been on a decline for almost sixty years. <laughs> all right, Daniel, would you rather on your Christmas tree have like very like uniform ornaments so that it all looks you know symmetrical and kind mm. of I'll say professionally done, so to speak, well, or like seems more like, like editorializing. Well, I mean, you know what my tree looks like. <laughs> it's not that, uh, or like more like you know ornaments of like characters and just whatever fun stuff you you want to put up there. I take the fun ornaments. Okay, that's what we did growing up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My family, I don't think, ever threw away an ornament. So our tree, you cannot see the tree. It's just one giant plastic triangle. <laughs> Nancy won't let me throw these ornaments away. Because there will be ornaments that are just think, what is this? Oh, Nicole made that when she was two years old. Oh, well, there's all the skill. So it goes in a certain place on the tree where I don't have to see it. But... Oh but I just love our tree. There's just so many cool ornaments from all over the world yeah. that we've been collecting. And, mm-hmm. and then even the ones the kids made, especially the ones that have their pictures on them, mm-hmm. man, those are priceless. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. My parents have one of me in, like, being an angel. Mm. Aww. And it's pretty cute. <laughs> yeah. 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 We always, although we might have to stop now that we're getting more and more ornaments every year, is that we always do like a first round of like fairly evenly distributed balls, you know, sphere ornaments, yeah. which is red and silver. And then, and then we picture. put in all the other ones around it. Mm. So that's a pretty good mix. But definitely we I lean towards the more like just, you know, fun ornaments of whatever you find and, yeah. and get. But Leah's mom does like, like when you look at her Christmas tree, it's like, the professional, professional. It's so, it's very like uniform. It's very, but it just looks amazing. Wow. Um, anyway, Daniel, would you rather go caroling or have carolers come to you? And either way, you have to sit through a whole song before you move on with your day. <laughs> so either you're standing there for a whole song or you're going and singing a whole song. Mm, I'd rather go caroling. <clears throat> yeah. 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 The Glee Club used to go caroling. I miss that. Ooh. That, was that was a good time. Yeah. Would you go caroling, Max? Yeah, absolutely. I'd go caroling. Nice. I'd rather go caroling. Some of my best memories are going caroling. Oh. Just really fun things. Uh, I'll I'll tell you about one of them. When the church started in Long Grove, it's a small group of people, and we said, let's go caroling this Sunday night. And Nancy's put together this really nice probably 30 different kinds of foods, cookies, yeah. hot cider. So we we went out caroling, and it was like three or four below zero. It was just brutal. But I was used to it because I was selling cars in that kind of weather, and it just didn't bother me. But everybody else says, Bill, can we leave? We're freezing. We're gonna, can we go back now? Like, oh, it's not so bad. So we, we caroled at a few places, and we ended up at my neighbor's house, caroled for him, and then bounced in our house and so you're eating things like these hors d'oeuvres or little egg rolls and just oh man we just had so much fun sitting on a floor a bunch of people in their 20s and a few little kids um like megan paul wasn't even born yet so it'd be her older brother and sister okay yeah just great memory that's a long time ago that's like 42 years ago i'm thinking about yeah yeah 
Well, I think I'd rather go caroling, but I don't know that I've ever had carolers come to me. So right. that would also be kind of fun to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right, Daniel, would you rather for one whole Christmas season, just one, only be able to listen to Christmas music but not watch Christmas movies or mm-hmm. vice versa, only be able to watch Christmas movies but not listen to Christmas music? I think I found a loophole. I'm going to watch the Christmas movies. Yeah. Because the movies have soundtracks of Christmas songs in them. Mm. So even if you're only allowed to watch the movies, you can have the movie on in the background. No, you have to watch it. You can't just listen. That's that's cheating. I think that's uh, fair. You do have to watch it. You can still listen to the music when you Good watch it, that but you have to be watching it. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay to my answer. Okay. I'll watch it. I'll listen. I'll listen to Christmas music. Christmas music is great. It's like one of the main things that gets me in the spirit. Mm. And also, like, I don't know how many movies I watch. Like, every year I maybe watch two or three, but like, I listen to Christmas music for, you know, a month. So, sure. be a quiet, yeah. quiet Christmas. <laughs> I want the music too. I mean, that's what gets me going with Christmas is hearing, mm. particularly Handel's Messiah. Woo. Oh. That is moving. Yeah. Mm. Oh. I think I'm going to say, if it was just for one year, which was the stipulation, I think I would go with the movies. Mm. Because I don't feel like I have that much time to listen. Because I don't drive that much. And right. that's when I listen to music most of the, mm. most of the time is when sure. I drive. So, But I really enjoy watching movies. And I do, I think Daniel made a good point that you can hear the music while you're watching the movie. Mm. Uh, and I'll also add, even though this is to at the end, that this doesn't mean you can't like, like you go to church and you have to like wear earplugs. <laughs> you can't worship God. <laughs> oh, you just can't listen to. It. But See I know I didn't say that. people coming to church like this. <laughs> just screaming to drown. Okay, uh, we got two more. Daniel, would you rather? This one's kind of nuanced. Uh, would you rather All right. you give someone a gift and they love it and they think that you made it? But you know that you bought it, oh. or you give them the gift, and they're kind of like they they keep joking about returning it because they think that you bought it, but you actually made it. Oh no! That's so tragic. That's so funny. <laughs> I think I'll go with the last option. So <laughs> they keep talking about returning it. Yeah. But you made it for them. <laughs> yeah. Because because then they go to return it. <laughs> but they couldn't. And they would put them in a weird situation and not just me in a That's weird situation. Okay. So we're both. <laughs> I would definitely go with the first one <laughs> where they like it and they're going to keep it. And I don't care if they think I bought it. It's fine. Then I think you made it. Oh, well, then even better. Then you know you bought it. Well, I would. But you don't correct them. I'm not allowed to correct them. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that's fine. I, I'd, I'd let them think that I made it. All right. I'd go for the first one, too. There is no way I could make anything, and they would think for a minute that I bought it. They would just look like, what happened here? Hope he didn't get hurt. I think I'm going to go with the first one, too. Mm. All right. And our last Christmas, would you rather, nice and easy, would you rather be home for Christmas or go on a trip for Christmas? And when I say trip, I mean, like, a vacation trip to, like, Hawaii or whatever. Okay. Not like, not like traveling to be with family or right. whatever, but like, okay. um, but yeah, like going on a vacation away to like a hotel or some, you know, someplace, uh, or like being home, or I guess you could in, lump in home, like with family. Sure. Mm-hmm. I would rather be home. 
for Christmas? Uh, I don't know what it would be like to be on vacation for Christmas. So I guess I'll go with home. I guess I'll go with home for Christmas. <laughs> oh, definitely home. I got 364 other days I can take a vacation. but oh, That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to be with my family on Christmas. Yeah. I just never understood. Like whenever there's like a movie and they go to like... Like, we're going to Cancun for Christmas. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I don't get yeah. it. I was curious if any of you got it, but it is seems this like the no. the family? The whole family's going to Cancun for I mean, Christmas? like, well, yeah. let's imagine that like you're, Like, home know, alone. Those people with, all left him. Married yeah. with kids, and, like, that that family goes. Oh. I suppose at this stage, like, it could be, like, your, you and your parents and your siblings all go yeah. as well. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of the same either way, I guess. That's a good question. But I just always thought that was very strange. Sure. Um, but... I was thinking, I was looking at something and realized that Home Alone, yeah, like, won't age well at all because now, like, kids can just call and like. They well, the phone like, lines were down. Uh, they addressed that yeah. because there's a power outage. I just watched it like a week ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> there's a power outage, and that's why they oversleep. Oh. And then the guy says, as they're like getting into the the van, he's like, "Oh yeah, the phone lines are are like." That we're gonna be working on those for a few days. Oh. I mean, it's still like kind of a far fetch because they're like they call the police and the police are like whatever. We'll send over a policeman. And he goes over, knocks on the door, and no one answers, and, and he's, he's like, like, "Oh, there's no one home." Did my job. <laughs> wow. So yeah, there's definitely like some things that are just kind of like, mm-hmm. but but they do kind of a granted phone lines being out is not as much of an issue when you have cell phones. Cell phones. That's but true. Still, hopefully, hopefully. A child that can comprehend what's happening in Home Alone can comprehend that there was a time before cell phones. That's possible. I don't know what technology people are familiar with and what technology they're not. Yeah. Uh, There's one line I just love in that movie. Keep the change, you filthy animal. (laughs) (laughs) Home Alone 2 is true the first one, I think, as well. But Home Alone 2 in particular, the things that those robbers go through (laughs) and the fact that they survive is like a miracle. (laughs) They should be dead (laughs) several times over. I. I love watching Home Alones. That's like what I would do <clears throat> with my grandpa whenever uh-huh. we went mm. home to visit them. So, wow, yeah, <clears throat> Home Alone is it like <clears throat> Home Alone three? There's like Home Alone four. Or oh my like, gosh, there's that many. Like of just them? released a new one too. Yeah, like this year or a yeah. year ago. Yeah, this huh. other boy he has like a parrot, and that was always my favorite one because nobody knew about it. <laughs> that was like about your, the parrot. Or no, one <laughs> about about, the, no one knew about the movie. About that movie, yeah. Wow, with the yeah. parrot. <laughs> uh, Scott, give us a number between one and a thousand and one. 25. 25. Wait, I feel like I've already done Ooh, that. Ooh, December 25. December, that's, what was, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's, that's literally what you did last week. Okay, that's... <laughs> I, so I was like, wait, that's not familiar. For that... Uh, 26. <laughs> Trying to see if there's any Christmas-themed ones. Uh, this, of course, is 1,001 <laughs> Things You Always Want to Know About the Bible But Never Thought to Ask by professional uh, Mary impersonator J. Stephen Lang. Um, I don't see, like, a. am hoping for, like, a Christmas. Oh, well, here's one. <clears throat> that was easy. Number 134 from the section uh, People of the Book, Jews and Christians. 134, the word Hallelujah. 
This familiar Hebrew word of praise means praise the Lord. It occurs many times in the Psalms, usually as praise the Lord instead of hallelujah. And it made its way into Greek, which has no letter H, as alleluia. Hmm. It does not appear in the New Testament until Revelation, notably 19 uh, verse 6. Alleluia for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Handel is... Uh, Handel set it to beautiful music as the hallelujah chorus in his Messiah. Um, I didn't know the hallelujah thing. I always wondered what the difference between hallelujah mm. and hallelujah was. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's really cool. You're a big fan of the Messiah, you said? Oh, yeah. Why is that? It's just so moving. I mean, the words Handel really knew his Bible. He takes mm. a lot of it out of Isaiah, but man, oh, man, he knew his Bible. And then the music's just beautiful. He wrote it in something like 18 days. It just... Really? Mm-hmm. Really... That's all he did for 18 days was crank out. The, you see how much there is. You think, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was in, I want to say middle school, we were on a, a road trip down to visit my relatives in Oregon at Christmas. My dad played Handel's Messiah and gave us all KJV Bibles. And he was like, follow along. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I did not succeed at all in following along. But um, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't follow that. You're supposed to find the references? Or? I think, well, I think most of the words are taken from, directly from a handful of scriptures. Is that not true? Yeah. Yeah. A lot, I mean, I think it's a case where he really knew his Bible. Because until Handel's Messiah came along, a lot of the scriptures were kind of obscure. Hmm. They weren't the kind of verses you'd memorize in Awana, for instance. Sure. <laughs> I'm wondering what year he was. Because one of the things that, that you've said before, Bill, is like that a lot of people in heaven will be illiterate. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering about like the role of music in teaching people scripture, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that probably your average citizen was super familiar with Handel's Messiah. Like I assume it was probably more or less for the elite. Um, but like, I don't know, having having music having the Bible set to music like is always a very effective way for people mm-hmm. to learn, uh, to learn the Bible. Uh, yeah. John well, the book of Psalms is music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is time in lieu of sermon roundup. We will be, uh, introducing, we have a whole slew of adult education courses starting in 2022. So welcome to the adult education symposium. Whoa. Uh, we want to take a minute and talk about some of these classes that we have starting up in the new year. Um, they are uh, How to Experience the Holy Spirit with Bill Calvin, 40 Days of Prayer with Vinod Malachi, Tolkien and the Silmarillion uh, with Laura Schmidt, and Grief Share with Greg Mahoney. Um, I kind of want to take a chance to talk about uh, each of these, starting, Bill, with How to Experience the Holy Spirit. Um, how do we experience the Holy Spirit? <laughs> well, come <laughs> to the class and find out. <laughs> it, it's titled that so that people don't think this is simply... We're going to study the Holy Spirit and keep him in an arm's length. Hmm. The idea is, yes, we're going to look at the scriptures, but we're going to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're, we're going to learn how to walk in the Spirit. The most important thing is to apply this, not to simply say, well, I've added some more knowledge. Hmm. What does application look like? Well, I think a lot of it is simply praying, asking the Holy Mm. Spirit to fill you, to get into 
the habit of every morning starting out your day asking him to fill you anew and to walk in the spirit um, I do that every day I, I'm glad for it mm-hmm. is this at all influenced by the commentary you're telling us about AB Simpson stuff yes yes so that was part of my reading for it I think I've read 20 books on the Holy Spirit but I looked on my shelf and saw those two and said, I've never read these. Hmm. Hmm. So A.B. Simpson wrote this book, The Holy Spirit, Power from on High. Hmm. It has two titles. And they come from a set of messages he preached 120 years ago, roughly. Okay. And people just love them. And I can see why. It was like, wow, I've never read anything like this. This is awe-inspiring. So they bugged him to print these and publish. He says, listen, I don't have time to really fix this up. You're just going to have to go with like the raw sermon. Boom, there it is. I'm glad they didn't fix it up. It might have taken away from it. It is so good. And you're starting all the way back in Genesis. You think, Holy Spirit in Genesis. Well, yes, he's in creation. I think we all know that. But then you see, he can spot them in places where I just never noticed him. Hmm. And he goes all the way from Genesis to Revelation. So he's got messages on the Holy Spirit from some pretty obscure passages. Yeah. My favorite part, I think, was he points out that there is typology in the Holy Spirit. I always think of typology as being with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... There are symbols. That's the word I'm really looking for. Hmm. So yesterday I read about light, that light is one of the symbols for the Holy Spirit. And you see it with the candlesticks in the tabernacle in the temple, that that's the only light. There are no windows in those buildings. It would be pitch black except for the candles the candelabra with 12 candles. I'm getting 12 and 7 mixed up in my mind. but uh, And then it would reflect off of all that polished gold hmm. in, say, the tabernacle. Sure. So it's not exactly a brightly lit place. Yeah. But God's spirit is symbolized by this light and... Part of that meaning is he's lighting the scriptures, illuminating you to understand the scriptures. Mm. So I just found this to be fascinating. Yeah. The other thing I read about was eyes. You come across eyes in the E-Y-E-S, eyes in the book of Revelation. and Right. There are seven eyes. So... The Holy Spirit is looking out for you. He's he's watching you. It, it, it's just really, really well done. Yeah. So I, I want to bring that into the class because that that book is just at a whole different level than anything I'd read about the Holy Spirit. Yeah, for sure. Um, Scott, <clears throat> what were you looking up? I was just seeing if you could find it online um, for purchase and for my own personal curiosity. But Could that you? I found a I mean there you can you can oh, find okay. it used. Um, Wonderful. Oh yeah, there's it's not in print. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can also I think I mean I didn't it was only 480 pages. It wasn't 600. Okay. But you can find a PDF of it. 
Whoa. So if you're in, I mean, I don't know what's missing there because it's missing about 120 pages, but, uh, maybe not. Maybe it's just the, um, formatting's different. That could be. So if you, if you want to read it, just look up, uh, Holy Spirit, Power From On High PDF. (laughs) You can find it (laughs) and read it for yourself. (laughs) It'll only take you, you know, a year, but you'll get through. (laughs) Daniel? What were you looking up? I was also trying to find it. I sent Daniel Scott the link sent it to, to, the, to the PDF. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm guys... glad it's a PDF. That's wonderful. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's available. I mean, yeah. how long ago was it written? Well, I'm thinking like 1907, 1904, because mm. my copy is 1921 or 1924. And you can tell this is not the first printing that... Because it has a a second preface that yeah. they're saying yes, this is this was very important and we reprinted it. Wow, the second class that we're talking about, um, forty days of prayer with Vinod Malachi. Um, Scott, you did a uh, sort of thing with the young adults Bible study involving prayer, like a couple months ago, right? Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. It was just, it was one week of uh, several on <clears throat> sort of spiritual disciplines. Sure. Bill, do you know what the what the pitch of Vinod's class is? The Christian Missionary Alliance is having this emphasis hmm. in the new year, and so they have materials, and mm-hmm. Vinod's a real man of prayer. So he latched onto that and said, I would like to lead this. And hmm. So his... I think is between 10 and 1030. Mm-hmm. It's between the services right. yeah. yep. in the church library. So hopefully people will say, you know what? I'm going to go do that. We're not going to be having breakfast uh, the first okay. part of this year for a variety of reasons, but I should just quickly say why. The breakfast people were recruited to do it only through December the 19th. I feel mm. like some kind of trickster if I said to him, hey, uh, you did a great job. Can you keep on doing it? Yeah. I don't I don't mm-hmm. want to do that to them. Yeah. Daniel, you, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but in terms of like, you know, seeing the, the Missionary Alliance, the CMA's like emphasis on prayer, like is that going to make its way into the youth group? I think it's, we've been trying to um, find different ways to add it into, um, especially our small groups that we've been doing on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. We like emphasize like before we end that we go through and we like have prayer requests and we take time praying. Yeah. Um, which is like, I think really, really helpful mm-hmm. because some of, some of our students feel a little like uncertain about prayer or like aren't sure how to pray. Yeah. Um, and really just emphasizing prayer to the point where yesterday during our <clears throat> small group Christmas party, I like had forgotten about prayer. And then one of the students was like, Hey, like let's pray. Nice. And I was like, awesome. awesome. <laughs> yes. you're, you're calling me out on it. Um, yeah. I've, I saw that the 40 day prayer thing that CMA put out in, um, yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to integrate it completely sure. into the youth group, um, but I'm excited about it yeah. for sure. I think learning how to pray and integrating prayer into like our faith is um, one of those things that like comes with practice and comes with like more experience with your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, what would do you guys have any kind of like? It doesn't have to be like a specific turning point, but like what was something that clicked in your mind when it came? to prayer like what you know how 
Uh, you're talking about like the teens learning how to pray mm-hmm. and like how to engage with prayer in a real way. Like what was something in you guys' lives that kind of evolved the way that you, that you pray? Desperation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. We were planting that church in Long Grove, didn't know what we were doing. Needed a miracle all the time because you've got no money, no people, no resources. Yeah. God came through, you know, never in my timing and not the way I was imagining it, but he would keep coming through. Mm-hmm. So that got me interested in the subject of prayer. And I read Andrew Murray's book called With Christ in the School of Prayer and preached a couple messages out of that book. And that got me going. And then Warren Wiersbe helped me. I, I asked him one day, I was talking to him on the phone and said, do you have a recommendation for books on prayer? Wow, that guy has read everything. I said, well, yes, and boom, he, he was off to the races. I remember one of them was John R. Rice. I thought, John R. Rice? He's a real fight and fundy. I mean, just like, <laughs> he's like really in the same league as almost almost Bob Jones. Okay. Know, and just really a fight and fundy. But, but John R. Rice wrote a book called Prayer, Asking and Receiving, and it is phenomenal it's mm. just great yeah so it mm-hmm. paid to ask warren where's because he had books that i would have never gotten near yeah something that's i think i was just talking about this like a week ago something that's been helpful to me more recently is settling i feel like in the past i viewed prayer in terms of like a day-to-day sort of rhythm hmm. um and so then whenever I would hear, like, someone say, like, oh, you know, I pray for X, Y, Z and also the rest of the alphabet every day, it would make me feel really, like, less than, like, mm. I don't do that. Um, but something that's really helped me more in the last few months is settling in more into, like, weekly rhythms of prayer, where not that I'm not praying, like, each day, but, like, for example, mm. I make it a point every Tuesday morning when I come into the office to go through all the prayer requests from mm. the church yeah. for that week, mm-hmm. and I pray through those. And I do that every Tuesday, and so like I know that Tuesday is my day that I pray for that. And then uh, Wednesdays, I have more of a dedicated time where I pray over over my ministry. And I, uh, one of the two discipleship groups, I don't remember which one it is, Friday, I think, Friday, the Friday morning groups hold me accountable to, to having that prayer time every week. And mm-hmm. and then Lee and I will pray together every night, and that's more we you know pray for the mm-hmm. personal requests in our lives. And so just kind of like thinking of it a little bit more, <clears throat> a, a larger rhythm mm-hmm. uh, has allowed me to really kind of focus in on different areas instead mm-hmm. of just feeling like, oh, every day I need to be covering a million different things, mm-hmm. uh, which no, there's nothing wrong with that, but it can be overwhelming and um, yeah. So yeah, so that's that's been really helpful to me is thinking it a little bit a little bit more broadly, and thinking like what you know at what times in the week can I focus on different things and yeah uh, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Daniel, I think um, those crisis moments um, in prayer and those moments have really <clears throat> shifted my views on prayer and how I interact with prayer. I think. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I remember, like really praying for the first time was next to my next to my mom in the mm, hospital bed, mm. um, and that was it was <laughs> it was really weird and silly of me to like <clears throat> pray to God saying that if He does this, then I'll serve Him mm. the rest of my life. Yeah, and <clears throat> my mom 
my mom passed away and I still am serving him for the rest of my life. <laughs> and that's, I think that example at the very beginning of my real like Christian walk has shown me like what prayer is mm-hmm. and what it like embodies. It's not this exchange that mm-hmm. you're trying to have. Yeah. Um, rather it's, you're coming to the foot foot of the throne. You're coming to the God that we worship and we know, and he wants to hear us and we also want to hear him. Mm. So that's been, I think one, the like pivotal moment of understanding what prayer looks like Mm. um, overall. But yeah, I'm learning how to sit and listen. Right. That's, that's the hard part. <laughs> trying to just like be be in God's presence and not mm. trying to just say or pray a bunch of stuff, but also trying to listen. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm working on now. Yeah. Next up uh, for the Adult Education Symposium is Tolkien and the Silmarillion. Uh, I want to go to that class. I want to go to I that could. class too by Laura Schmidt. Um, if you can do, Laura Schmidt is a great teacher. Yeah, Ooh. she's is, she works at the Wade Center at Wheaton College, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. she work yes. in there? Yeah. Um, which is committed to to Tolkien and C.S. Lewis and uh, yeah, the Seven stuff. Inklings. I wanted to ask, you know, this is definitely something that she'll address, and she she's talked about it before. Um, but you know, what role can fiction play in ministry? What role, whether it's ministry, like personal ministry, ministry to ourselves, ministry, you know, to, to our family, our friends, and then in, in broader ministry as well. Um, I think Aaron, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, started, he talked about Kanye West's Jesus is King album. Yeah. And he was like, whether or not it's accurate and whether or not you agree with it, a bunch of people are saying Jesus is King on the radio like every couple minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've thought a little bit about fiction and the the role that it has um, in the Christian life, and I think for those who are like already like Christians and know the Lord like deeply, it helps with um, Christian imagination. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we it can be really easy to just kind of not have that wonder about who and what God can do. Yeah. Um, so having that and building that imagination, um, it's something that fiction just is able to do in ways that like reading a bunch of nonfiction books won't be able to do. Yeah. Um, and then obviously being able to provide metaphors for non-believers who can like enter themselves into this fictional world hmm. and then be able to see the needs that the characters are experiencing and then like how that need reflects them. And then being able to do the research and seeing that, oh, this author was a Christian and maybe eventually seeing the connections that they're making their book to Christianity. And then they have built up this need and understanding the need in their own lives. So then like there is this answer of way of metaphor to like really understand and reflect on our need for a savior or any of the other like Mm -hmm. themes that fiction can bring about. Mm-hmm. Scott? Uh, it's kind of funny that you asked this. Uh, sometime in the last week or two, I don't know where I saw this, but it was a post, and it was 
And it was like, can Christians learn anything from, I think it was Christians. I think it was specifically asking, can Christians learn anything from Harry Potter? Now, you may know, anyone <laughs> listening right now, that you know, Christians have had a bit of a dicey relationship with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so a lot of the comments were kind of what you'd expect of like, no, it espouses witchcraft, which I personally don't really believe that it does. But <clears throat> some of them <laughs> said, no, it's fiction. Mm. And that was it. And I'm like, <laughs> I just think that's such a funny, funny stance to take. It's like, okay, so we're not, we can't learn anything from fiction. So we can't learn anything from, yeah. you know, to kill a mockingbird. Right. Or, uh, we can't learn anything from any, any kind of any commentary that, or 1984. We can't learn anything from that. That's fiction. Right. Uh, we can't learn anything from Jesus metaphors because or not metaphors. Um, they were metaphors, but it's we parables. can't learn anything from the parables because those were fiction. It's just a very silly stance to take. I mean, I think I, we see in Jesus himself that fiction, I mean, whether it's, you know, Jesus wasn't writing novels, but he was coming up with stories to yeah. get points across, which really that's what, I mean, that is sometimes they're more nuanced than others, but yeah. m- many great novels have a point that they're getting across. That's not just, I'm going to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I'm going to tell you a story and wrapped up in that as some kind of social commentary yeah. or, or idea that I think, you know, needs to be conveyed or whatever. Yeah. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing with his parables. Sure. Like, I'm going to tell you a story and wrapped up in that story is a deeper truth that I want you to understand. That is a really good point. It's fascinating that God himself told fictional stories to, to, make points right yeah. that's really interesting i've never thought about that bill i'm not a big fiction reader sure but there's some that stick in my mind because they're so phenomenal i read war and peace mm-hmm. Christianity's wrapped right <clears throat> in that throughout and so is the brothers karmazov Christianity's heavy in there Anna Karenina, yeah, another Tolstoy novel yeah, with a lot of Christianity. A lot of Tolstoy over the years, uh, so, and those are big books. Most of us would shy away from, like, oh man, it's going to take a long time to read it. Yeah. So, I, I think it's just wonderful when, when I get around Laura Schmidt and she can talk about fantasy literature. Oh yeah. She 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 took something that. I would never make heads or tails out of The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Yeah. And mm. It just came to life and made lots of lots of sense. Mm. So if you can take it, I, I want to point something out. You notice these times, they're very different. Like Vinod's is between 10 and 10.30, and mm-hmm. mine's from 11.40 to 12.10, a yep. half-hour adult ed class. The reason why we're doing oddball times is People have told us, I want to go to adult ed, and I can't mm-hmm. because church is one hour, and I serve in another hour. So we're trying to do something different and see if we can't really reach people with adult ed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, Grief Share with Greg Mahoney. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I've taken this course. I took it last late spring and through the summer. Grief share is so well done. It's kind of like a franchise, I guess you'd say. And it it has a video that's usually a half hour to 40 minutes long in the middle of it. But Greg Mahoney is such a good teacher, and he he's a professional counselor, so people would be 
sharing something out of their grief and he just knew how to handle the situation. Hmm. Sometimes people come in and just really mad. I mean, angry, ready to throw stuff. And yeah. you just think, whoa. <clears throat> and what I learned was grief, if you don't deal with it, it, it doesn't go away simply because of time. Hmm. And in the grief share, there was a case, not in our local setting, but through the video where someone came in and they were just enraged and the grief share leader said so when did this happen and the answer was 17 years ago mm. so they've been having times where they boil over for 17 years yeah. because they didn't deal with their grief mm -hmm. my hope is that the people who've had a big loss here in the last year or less right. will show up and get mm. healing because mm. healing happens in grief share. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a couple other classes. Bruce Gaylor is going to teach in March. Philemon on the tail end of what Laura's doing. And I, Laura and I took his class back in November. And it is an A-plus class. It is just outstanding. He yeah. uses a video from N.T. Wright for about 15 minutes of the class. But then Bruce has done some stuff where you just shake your head and say, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. But there were only three of us in the class, Bruce, Laura, and I. And I thought, this is not right. This is a waste of your time, Bruce, to do this for three of us. And, and Laura says, yeah, I'm not even going to be here next week. And, and I got the flu, so I wasn't there the next <laughs> week. So that's why we're asking people to register so that we know whether we have critical mass or not. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's in March, right? Yes. The oddest book in the Bible is in March yes. and everything else starts in January. Yes. Of the ones listed. There's another one. I think Daniel Remischner is going to do something Ooh. starting in February. Okay. Um, well, it's time uh, for, uh, before we get to our closing segment, I want to do a quick question. Uh, our quick question this week, uh, it is the Advent season, so we're going to talk about Christmas. Uh, and today I want to take a moment to talk about uh, a really cool facet of the Christmas story, or at least like what happens right after the Christmas story, um, from Luke 2, 25 to 35. Uh, now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised... You may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Um, and then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will, peace, will pierce your own soul too. Um, what do we know about Simeon? Is he just, he's just a lay person, right? He's just a, or is he a priest? Well, one thing we know is he's very old. Yeah. And he had this belief, a promise from God, you will not die till you see the Messiah, mm -hmm. which many other people have thought 
I'm not going to die till the second coming happens. And, and they're famous people. Right. You know, like one of them is A.B. Simpson. He thought he was going to live to see the Messiah. And, well, he's been dead about 100 years now and <laughs> still no second advent. So I love this story because it shows the economy of God that hmm. Joseph and Mary go to the temple. They're doing what they're supposed to do and having the child circumcised and dedicated to the Lord, and yet they're intercepted, not by just the priests on duty, but by Anna and Simeon, yeah. who are really walking in the Spirit. I mean, yeah. how else do they know? It's not like Jesus has this <laughs> shining light that says, here's the Messiah, come up and say hi. Yeah. It's, it's not like that. How, how do they know? And they, they walk up to Joseph and Mary and... Mm -hmm. Look at this baby, and and I'm sure they're just melting down. You know, they, they, I'm sure they got to hold the baby and pray a prayer of dedication over the baby. And this is really supernatural. This is God. Yeah. Wow. I want my son dedicated by two people I'm talking to. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm not settling for just a priest who maybe is into this and maybe not. I, I, I want people that really know me dedicating my son. Yeah. It's inspiring. Mm -hmm. It says that he, he is moved by the Spirit. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Um, so it doesn't sound like he was just like there every day waiting. Like it mm -hmm. sounds like on this particular day, the Holy Spirit told him like, go to the temple courts. Yeah. And like he did. I love that we have that example of someone who, again, we don't know too much about him, but I believe he's a lay person, um, being told by the Holy Spirit, hey, you know, first of all, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. But secondly, like, today is the day. Like, get up and go. <laughs> and the temple court, we're not talking a little 5 by 25 room. The, the temple court is gigantic. Yeah. So, pretty cool. He's He's even... Out of the hundreds of people that could be walking in the temple court, he walks up to them. And yeah. It just shows the awesomeness of God. Absolutely. How he can direct a life with great clarity. Does the Holy Spirit still do that? Yes. <clears throat> Go on. Oh, I think we've got Brother Andrew, for instance. Mm. He comes to mind. There are times where you... I hear from God very clearly. Jason Tipner in our church can hear from God very clearly. He knows it's God. He knows what mm. he's supposed to do. I, I wish I could get as much clarification as Jason seems to get mm. in his walk with God. Mm. But I, I've experienced some, some of these ex things where it's clear, just do it, okay. Yeah. Which I think is what makes a Christian life so exciting. Mm. That it's not just something I read about, that you, you get to be in the ball game. Yeah. Yeah. Scott? What's your question? Holy Spirit still telling people to go to the temple courts on the day of all days and leading them to the yeah. Messiah? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm trying to think of good specific examples. Um you know, Dan would share a story of, of, oh, I was at Home Depot or whatever, and God was like, oh, you're going to go talk to that person. Mm -hmm. And he did. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think in my life, a lot of the big decisions and and changes or transitions have, accompanied, have been accompanied by 
And granted, there have been times when I, I have been wrong, and the Holy Spirit's never been wrong, but I have perceived things incorrectly. But there have been certain things where, like, I just kind of had a, a foreknowledge. Like, I mean, Leah, is my wife, is the perfect example where before I even met her, really, I mean, we knew each other when we were, like, five, but before I had even met her after 15 to 18 years apart, and, like, my, we were talking about her at my grandparents' house for Thanksgiving in 2017, and, like, I just, at that moment... I can say this more clearly with hindsight. I wouldn't necessarily have been confident enough to say it in the moment, but like at that moment I knew that I was going to marry her. Hmm. Uh, and like, I feel similarly about the way that I got to this job. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's absolutely just the Holy spirit saying like, this is what you're, this is the path you're going to take. Hmm. Um, and I think I resonate with what Bill says. Like, I don't always like Jason know, Oh yes, this is definitely God. This is definitely what he's saying. But, but there, there certainly is a, a certain degree of, of uh, just expectation and peace that has accompanied some of those things where like in hindsight I can say like, yeah, I knew because I, I had that feeling and then it also came to fruition. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I've ever had like as sure of a feeling about the things that I've been wrong about. Because <laughs> um, there've been a couple of those too, but, um, hmm. but yeah, I think absolutely like there can, and big things, little things. I think I, I experience it more, or at least I can point to examples more of big things in my life where the Holy Spirit is, has has made things known to me and shown me things that I needed to pursue. Yeah. Um, but it absolutely happens on smaller scales too. Hmm. Daniel, you seen anything? <clears throat> um, I just think the phrase in it's uh, verse 32, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel, mm-hmm. goes to show that Jesus... And the Holy Spirit working in Simeon, too, in this moment, like, he's recognizing that what the Lord does is he reveals to those Mm. who don't know him. Mm. And, I mean, it's just, it's really cool. Like, this is just a baby here talking about, Simeon's like, oh, everything will be revealed to those Gentiles who don't follow after God. God and bring glory to those who do, um, or the people of Israel. Yeah. And just that, that connection of that's what the Holy Spirit is still doing, mm-hmm. still doing today. His job is to reveal things. I think as we read, read this passage, connecting it to Christmas yeah. and like the coming of Jesus, like we can also like knowing that we are people waiting for the second coming, like we can we can rely on the same Holy Spirit hmm. that revealed Jesus to Simeon, because this Holy Spirit, because of what Jesus did, lives in us now today. Yeah. So, I think that shows the character of the Holy Spirit, and realizing that it's the same as today. Hmm. Um, yeah, I love Jesus being sort of said from the beginning of like, he is going to bring light to the Gentiles. Like, it's not like an afterthought. Like, it's not like, all right, he brought light to the Jews and then the Gentiles will follow later. Um, but it's just like from the word go, like he is the King that is here to save everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, all of God's children, all the people that he's made. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that this story, it's so brief and I don't think we ever really hear about Simeon anywhere else, mm-hmm. but it it's just, it's almost like, 
we wouldn't even know about this if Luke hadn't been so thorough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we might not have known about it at all because it's really somewhat inconsequential. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit was doing something which I'm sure blessed Mary and Joseph, but doesn't seem to have had a huge eternal impact on anybody other than Simeon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really cool that he, he had this sort of special mm-hmm. message from, from the Holy Spirit that, you know, you are going to, why him? Who knows? But I think it provides some encouragement that Simeon is not Abraham. You right. Know, and I'm not, not sliding his character in any way, but Abraham is like, he has like 10 chapters in the Bible or something, and he's, you know, this huge important guy, and he talks to God. Sure, sure, sure. Simeon, almost nobody. And right. yet he still had this message from the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I think that we can find encouragement in that, that like you don't need to be, you know, Abraham or Moses mm. or A.B. Simpson or whomever. Like, like if you have a relationship with God, like he's going to talk to you, he's going mm-hmm. to be with you, he's going to give you work to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's the norm, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that is the normal Christian life. Mm. Amen. And that's not just like, oh, like, you know, one or two people in my church, like, has the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit speak to them. Everyone else is just kind of like hoping that when I get to the end of the line, Mm -hmm. this is all real. It's like, no, that's not what a relationship with Jesus Christ is. A relationship with Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And and Mm -hmm. if that isn't something that you've experienced, I want to encourage you to ask someone, including Bill Calvin and his class on (laughs) experience. Yeah, please come. We want you to come. Um, We can get a bigger room if we need to. Yeah. yeah. Experience it in a real way because the Holy Spirit's real and he's speaking to you. Uh, listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, trivia quizzes, and your own suggestions for adult ed classes to podcast at bloomingdellchurch.org. For our closing segment this week, it can only be time for a rapid 2021 Bloomingdale Church Christmas Trivia Bowl where Daniel, Scott, and Bill will compete for fabulous prizes. This year's questions are a mix of Beth Fleming and Max Terman. I am trying my hand at making quizzes. We're scared of Beth Lemmings. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, and at least two of these questions appeared in last year's uh, quiz. So it'll be oh. exciting to see if you remember the answers. Uh, let's get started. Take your answer sheets. Question number one uh, is one from last year. Micah, the Old Testament prophet, had the most to say about Jesus' birth. What city was Micah from? A. Maroth. B. Nazareth. C. Morasheth. And D. Bethlehem. Is it in the Bible? I mean, I'm sure it must be. Is it in the book of Micah that tells us where he's from? I imagine. You know? I imagine it's the beginning of Micah. It probably mm-hmm. says, like, the word of the Lord came to Micah, a man from... I can look it up real quick for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody need more time? Huh. All right. What? Where was he from, Bill? I'm torn, but I'm... I settled on Morasheth. Morasheth Scott. Morasheth was C, right? That's right. I settled Morasheth as well. And Daniel. I said B. Nazareth. (laughs) Morasheth it is. Micah Micah 1-1. The word of the Lord came to Micah of Morasheth during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, and Judah. Oh, or so kings you, of Judah. So you imagine that it's in the book of Micah. Then. That's incredible. No, that was my guess, and I got it right. I, I'm gonna oh, give, I thought you... I no, thought you I didn't. Know. I'm okay. going to give myself a point. I'm gonna, well, yeah. that, was, that was very... Put myself on the board there. <laughs> I think I imagine it's at the beginning of the word of the Lord came to Micah. <laughs> no, I, I thought you had the answer I'm just right super excited. Uh, so the scoreboard is, of course, everyone, including me, one, except for Daniel. Hmm. Uh, number two. <laughs> when, did, uh, when did Mary and Joseph officially name the their baby Jesus. This is the other uh, 
from last year. Mm. Is this a multiple choice? Nope. Right. Is this the rest like... of them will not be multiple choice. Oh, okay. Uh, when did Mary oh. and Joseph officially name their baby Jesus? This is a Beth Fleming question, so it's going to be archaeologically right. based. I think I remember getting this one right. We'll see if I get it right again. <laughs> Like, are we looking for a reference? Or Not, we want an exact date. We want, yes. And year. <laughs> <laughs> In either the Julian or Gregorian calendar, please. <laughs> um, Chinese calendar for uh, half points. <laughs> for half points. For our Chinese <laughs> listeners. Uh, Scott. I said eight days after his birth. Bill. That's what I put. At a circumcision eight days after his birth. Daniel. I put after his birth. It is eight days after his birth. Daniel, you're not wrong. Uh, Daniel's not wrong. I'll give him a half a point. <laughs> for style. Half a point for style. I began to write circumcision, and I was like, I don't... Aww. I, I second-guessed myself. Um, in addition to Mary, the messenger Gabriel is noted in the Bible as appearing to only two other people. Who were they? I think I know this. I'm reading a book on angels by Michael S. Heiser. Oh, man. Oh. That guy is smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. Ready, Daniel? He's thinking about it. Who's Michael Heisner? Michael S. Heiser is the guy that wrote the book that Bill mentioned a couple weeks ago, The oh. Unseen Realm. Yeah. He also has a book on angels and a book on demons. Wow. Among other things, too. But those are the two that I have. Does he cite a lot of sources? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would just think, how did he read this much stuff? Sure. This is just, and these are like footnotes, like at the end of a page. Half, or, a page, half yeah. of his pages are footnotes. I some pages. That. I love yeah. that. At the beginning of at least the book that I'm reading, he's got about six pages of abbreviations for sources that he might <laughs> reference. <laughs> I love that. We need more source citing. Uh, Daniel. Elizabeth and Zechariah, which is not correct. <laughs> Scott. Shoot. What'd you write? I wrote Daniel and Joseph, but then I remembered he showed up to Zechariah. Uh, Bill. Which is unfortunate. What'd you write? I put Zechariah and Daniel. Zechariah and Daniel it is. So one point for Bill. Give a half a point <sighs> to both Scott and Daniel. And again, no points to myself. Who is the Gospel of Luke addressed to? And for a bonus point, what are some theories about who this person is? I'm really mad at myself because I just preached on Zechariah two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I knew that Gabriel appeared twice, and for some reason I thought it was the appearance. So is it an unnamed angel? It must be. It's an unnamed angel that goes to go Joseph. The angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord in the NIV. That's an important distinction. That's right. Not the. Yes. I learned some very interesting things about the angel of the Lord from Michael S. Heiser. I bet. I want to yeah. hear about that. Yeah. But I, not right now. I'll, you don't want to hear about it now. <laughs> uh, Bill, who is the Gospel of Luke addressed to? Theophilus. And it means lover of God. So it could be that Theophilus is not an individual, but a group of people that love the Lord. Hmm. Scott. I said it's written to Theophilus. I didn't say it means lover of God, but I knew that. And I said <laughs> it could mean, like, yeah, the church, the people that, that love God. Daniel. I had no answer. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I should have waited. Uh, yes, the answer is Theophilus, uh, and you're both right. There are several options. Uh, John Wesley held the view that it was, quote, a person of eminent quality in Alexandria and described it as, quote, the tradition of the ancients, which I don't know what that means. Uh, other people say it's a Roman official, uh, a Greek 
of it is a friend of God or lover of God, so it doesn't necessarily refer to a single person. A really interesting one is Theophilus ben Ananus, uh, the brother of Caiaphas, who was high priest of the temple from 37 to 41 CE. He was a Sadducee uh, priest. Um, and so that's, mm. that's also like a running theory. Um, I think it's a little more of a deep cut, but the Wikipedia page about it is fascinating. Um, mm. All right. So that's two points to Bill, two points to Scott, uh, and we'll move on. <laughs> Which prophet does Matthew cite when he describes the flight from Egypt as fulfilling the prophecy, quote, out of Egypt, I called my son. Uh, so Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus run to Egypt because of Herod. Uh, and Matthew says that they went there to fulfill or in going there, they fulfill the prophecy out of Egypt. I called my son. Scott. I'm guessing Micah. Uh, Daniel. I'm guessing Jeremiah. And Bill. Jeremiah. It's Hosea. Oh. Really? Hosea 11.1. 1, uh, in full context, I think wow. it's kind of a stretch, which is interesting because it's Matthew. Like, it's, it's the Bible, so you can't really be like, ah, I don't think that's really what it's referring to, Matthew. Um, but it says, in context, <laughs> it says, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Uh, and then the next line after that describes how no matter how many times God called him, they refused to listen. And so it's in its original context, it's obviously talking about Israel. So I, I find it very interesting that Matthew describes that as a prophecy. Um, but again, you know, he's divinely inspired, so I can't exactly, you know, it's not like I'm like, uh, that Facebook post. Put it in the wrong. suggestion box. I'll put it in Matthew's <laughs> suggestion box. Uh, so that's going to be zeros across the board. Um, after Herod dies, he is replaced by his son. What is his son's name? This is the Herod that was ruling this when is, Jesus was a baby. That's correct. Okay. The Herod that the wise men visit, who then kills all the babies in that area and continues to look for Jesus till he dies. But we're talking about what his son's name his is. Son. The What's his son's okay. name? Mr. Herod. <laughs> My father was Mr. Herod, please. Herod Jr. Herod Jr. I was almost going to write that as a joke, <laughs> but now I can't. <laughs> All right. Daniel. I'm going to say this. I know it's not right, but Caiaphas. Caiaphas. It's just a name. I like that. It is a name. Bill. Good job. I put Herod Antipas. And Scott. I put Antipas. Oh, was I wrong? It or, is wrong. Well, really, it's not Antipas. Archia, Ar Archelaus. Oh, there it is. Yeah. As long as I have the same answer as Bill, I'm happy, <laughs> even if it's wrong. What a brain cramp. Okay. Uh, so going into our last question, it is Bill five, Scott four and a half, Daniel one, and me one. So it is still anybody's game. Uh, what was Joseph's father's name? No, I don't know. And what was his grandfather's <laughs> name? Oh, and his great grandfather's man. name. Three points potentially up for grabs if you're familiar with Matthew's genealogy of Jesus. I am not familiar enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, you listen to this on your runs. I used to have this memorized. Did you? That doesn't surprise now, me at all. It's coming to mind. There's an amazing. There are two amazing songs based on the genealogy. Yeah, of Matthew. songs. There's one by. 
Peterson, Eugene Peterson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really, he yep. wrote a song about it. it. No, it's not. no, it's not Eugene Peterson. No, it's, um, it's um, oh John Peterson, maybe uh, Andrew, Andrew Peterson. Peterson. Andrew Peterson. Andrew Pe- Eugene Peterson did the message, <laughs> he did. Um, which is its own kind of song. The <laughs> and then the Gospel Coalition 2020 Advent. Um, they did a concert. Yeah, and one of the songs there was. The genealogy. That Andrew Peterson song about the genealogy is really funny and really good. It is. Uh, For three possible points. I haven't written anything down. I've actually got, I've got five generations on my answer card. So, so it's all to play for. (laughs) I I don't know. I, I, (laughs) I resign. I resign this question. I've got literally no thoughts. All right. Uh, I think we're good to go. We'll start with the underdog, Bill Calvin. What do you have? (laughs) (laughs) All right. For the father, I put Jesse. Okay. For the grandfather, I put Simeon. Okay. And I just, I'm not even sure of those two. And Daniel, what do you got? Um, One, I put Joash. Okay. Another one, I put Jonah. Uh, neither of you uh, are correct, unfortunately. Uh, is uh, wait a minute, Scott didn't. I didn't write anything. Scott down. resigned. Uh, <laughs> I had no thoughts. So we go Joseph, who is the son of Jacob, Jacob. who is the son of Mathan, M A T T H A N, who is the son of Eleazar, who is the son of Eliud, E L I U D. But it's interesting that Joseph was the son Eliud of Jacob. Eliud Yeah, that's why <laughs> I wrote Greatest marathon Jonah, runner of our time. Because I knew it was Eliud? a J. Mm-hmm. That was huh. so maybe he's. I, I mean, all these yeah. Kenyans Joseph, are Christians. The son of Jacob. That's <laughs> Joseph, the son of Jacob. Uh, so that means that with a score that, of maybe five, Bill Calvin is our winner. Oh, I was so close. But you were close. The bad news is it's food. <laughs> I eat it tomorrow. You get a tiny Whitman's sampler box. Woo! Merry yeah. Christmas. Thank you, Max. Merry Christmas. That is all the time that we have. He's just smelling it. He's just smelling the I chocolate. I can't smell anything through the box. <laughs> <laughs> that is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Daniel. Thank, Thank you, Max. Daniel, take us home. <clears throat> you have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church prod- Podcast. <laughs> I should. I want to note that I think this is the last one of the year. I think it is the last so, one of the year. Oh, we're not doing next Wednesday. Well, I'm gone, and I think Scott's. Well, that's gone. a problem. I'm here, okay. but I don't want to do it without you because <laughs> I've got a crazy week. All right, get, this, so, this is it. This is it. This, so this will it, be the last one. So people make it big. Here for for the rest of the year. If I want to make even sure that. I got the line right. I haven't done this in a long time. This is the Bloomingdale <laughs> Church Pod- broadcast. broadcast. <laughs> Brought to you from Boomdale. The heart of the intergalactic republic. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Way to help him. (laughs) This has been the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Merry 
Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Right. Happy New Year. Wow, Whitman's has been around since 1842. Yeah. Do you remember that? Simpson. Wow. That's I imagine. That's Whit- like we're talking Abraham Lincoln was a kid. That's, That's amazing. Whitman's is going to see the return of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. You cursed him. (laughs) (laughs) Going out of business. (laughs) I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, (laughs) but I just can't bring myself to it. Seventh-day Adventism just, I mean, they had a specific date in the 1800s. Jesus Christ is coming. Whoa. Sell your stuff, meet us on the mountain. And it <laughs> didn't come out. And they said, you know what? We had the wrong date. Not Tuesday, Thursday. So they come back another time. <laughs> no, no, we had the wrong date. And to their credit, it was Hannah Whitehall Smith. She admitted she was wrong. And amazingly, that didn't kill the movement. It was still... That is amazing. We're going to be Seventh-day Adventists. Do the Seventh-day Adventists still have a date in mind that Jesus is coming back? No, they don't do that anymore. Is it a sin? I mean, they they believe he's coming again, but they don't nail down a date. Okay. Seventh-day Adventism is considered part of true Christianity. Come on in. I always thought... I was raised that it was a cult group. Right. As time went on... I think it was a combination of we softened and they softened and they are enfolded with just a couple of different twists. They they have their service on Saturday and they're really vegetarians. Is it a sin to predict when Jesus is coming back or just pointless? It's so stupid. (laughs) I mean, it's really being disobedient, too, if you think about it. Mm. The Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. Right. So what? Why should you say, well, I do? Yeah, yeah. So we will not be having a segment where we predict the day Jesus comes back. Is that, that would be a misstep. Well, you can, if you, if you're really confident about it, maybe yeah. you can predict when he, you know, kind of inversely. When he's not when coming he back? come back. Yeah. Oh, no. So if there's like a day that you oh. really want to make sure he doesn't come back on, just oh, really convince yourself that you know that that's the day he's coming back. Oh, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> it's like, a, you know, this crazy... Uh. Seesaw. I would spend that whole day just in angst. That you'd be right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, please, Jesus, don't come Everybody back. Everybody gets to come except me. <laughs> don't come to back today, please. Just give me another day. Another mm. day to pay. Um, That's why um, <clears throat> Jesus will never come back during finals week. Because everyone's praying that he will? Yeah. I like that. Uh, let's do a sound check. I almost started the show, but we should do a sound check. Um, True. Say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy holidays. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> hey, man, this ain't Buffalo Grove. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh, speaking of Buffalo Grove, guess who I met over the weekend at my grandparents' Christmas party? A live Buffalo. Larry and Sue Cantor. Wow. Yeah. Oh, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. That's right, because they live in Boston now. Yeah, they go to my parents' church. Yeah. It was really kind of bizarre. I was talking to a family friend. We were talking about the piano. 
And then <laughs> Sue Cantor came over. I didn't know who she was. And she was she started talking about the piano. And then somehow she said something about the Christian Missionary Alliance. I was like, oh, I'm in the Christian Missionary Alliance. She's like, oh, do you know Bill Calvin? I was like, I sure do. <laughs> wow, wow. As the day is long. And then huh. her husband Larry came over, and I found out he was one of the Trinity students that you yeah. have mentioned. That yeah. we were all Trinity students. He was one of them. Wow. Like, wow, this That's is crazy. Man. <laughs> they passed her to church, too. Yeah, a few of them. Yeah, I think they got out of the... The ministry as pastors. Yeah, it sounds like he's sort of semi-retired. Okay, uh, that's that's why he described it to me. Wow, how's that for a sound check? Right, Sorry. let's go around and say hi, Gary, Larry, Larry. Hi, Larry. Hi, Larry. Hi, Larry. Hi, Larry. 